I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-minute parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-minute parenting podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. At a recent school talk for parents of pre-adolescent children, you know, 11, 12 year olds, a discussion emerged about how this age group have become fixated on how they look with a number of parents describing, you know, almost daily battles at home about what's the right outfit versus the wrong outfit and how I can't possibly go out wearing that. What will people think and actually having a very clear picture of what they imagine people will think. Now, I don't think this is necessarily new behavior as what we're describing is something around that egocentrism at this age group and egocentrism is a central component of pre-adolescent behavior. It can start to emerge slowly and gradually throughout the middle childhood stage of development, you know, between eight and 12 years old, but it really comes into its own around 11, 12 years old. Egocentrism itself has two distinct elements to it, okay? One is a focus on everybody else. You know, your child believes that everyone else notices and cares a lot about how they look, their image, their behavior. And the second component is, you know, a focus on themselves. You know, your child believes that no one else experiences things or has ever felt the feelings that they do. And this means that children in this pre-adolescent stage, you know, they feel simultaneously vulnerable and invincible. Toddlerhood is the other really egocentric stage of development. And in lots of ways, you know, adolescence, pre-adolescence is a second bite at the developmental apple. However, the distinct difference is that pre-adolescents are aware that others, you know, will or may have opposing points of view to their own and toddlers are oblivious to this fact. So, you know, by saying, you know, toddlerhood is also egocentric, I'm not saying it's the same. There are obviously clear differences between being an 11 or 12 year old or a two or three year old. But being aware of this, you know, this whole idea that, you know, some people are going to think differently to me, being aware of that just makes your pre-adolescent even more self-conscious about themselves, you know, and more self-conscious from the inside out. I mean, look, you know this feeling yourself. You've lived through it and you emerged from this stage of development in your own pre-adolescence. Despite the fact that your child is telling you that you don't understand you know, you don't understand, what would you know about it? The reality is that you know quite a lot about it. And as always, knowledge is power. However, it can be very difficult to access what you know when you're in the firing line, you know, when you're in that kind of frontline response with your young person. So the reason for this is that, you know, I often think of it that the proximity to the emotional onslaught, you know, you don't know, what do you know? You don't get it. That kind of onslaught causes you to flip your lid, you know, you lose access to that thinking, reasoning, neocortex part of your brain and you sink into your emotional center, that amygdala that's firing fight, flight, freeze cues that make you reactive to the situation and block you from being reflective. So I'm just going to even hit a pause button with you now and say, if that is relatable to you, and I imagine it's relatable for most of us who have children at that age, let's do a little self-reflective exercise, okay? So if you're listening to this, you can pause and take a piece of pen and paper and do this yourself or listen to it now and then do the exercise later if that's easier. But reflect on your pre-adolescent self 
as you recall it, okay? And ask yourself, what was it like to be that age? How did I feel? You know, what did I think of myself? What did I think of others? What did I think of the world outside of me and the people in it? What kind of things made me mad, sad, glad at that age? And how did I show those feelings? Um, how do I recall others responding to my behavior and me at that age? And how did that response make me feel at the time? And how does thinking about it make me feel now? You could also, you know, reflect as part of this on how you wish you were responded to at this stage of development and what difference that might have made to you. So really give yourself, you know, take a good 15 minutes to do this reflective piece and to really put yourself back in touch with the emotional experience of being a pre-adolescent. Because the reality is, you know, being preoccupied with other people's perception of you, as you perceive it, of course, that's not an easy headspace to occupy. You know, you're likely to see heightened states of emotional dysregulation as your preteen is struggling to reconcile their own changing and evolving sense of self with their, you know, let's be honest, often negatively biased sense of others' awareness of them. You know, and being able to empathically connect is a very good starting point in terms of how you're going to support your child in managing their emotional egocentrism. And by the way, it's not helpful to call it that to your child. Not ever. Nobody said, oh, thank you for reminding me of my emotional egocentrism. This is really for you to understand, okay? I need to help them to break this down and to get a different perspective on it or gain a different perspective. So trying to hit your own emotional pause button so that you don't get pulled into the heat of the situation with them is key to this. So stand firm, you know, close your eyes, Take a deep breath in, exhale slowly and deeply out. Repeat this if necessary. You know, you might benefit from doing it once. You might really benefit from doing it three times. And then respond in a gentle yet firm tone of voice. You know, I always say, and you've probably heard me say it on the radio or here before, that, you know, when in doubt, go to A&E, acceptance and empathy. But hold in mind you know, while you're accepting and empathizing, do hold in mind that accepting your child's position and empathizing with the feeling that drives their position doesn't mean you condone any overt behavior. You know, acceptance and empathy are most effective within the framework of your parental boundaries and limit setting. So I can accept and empathize with you and I can still say what you're doing is not acceptable. You know, one one kind of behavior or discipline response strategy that's often spoken about in the field of parenting or, you know, psychology in general is the ACT approach, ACT. You know, um, you might say something that acknowledges their feeling in a tone of acceptance, okay? This is how you do acceptance and empathy while still holding a boundary on behavior. You might say, you know, I hear that you're very upset and angry right now because your favorite jeans are not washed and dried for you to wear to your friend's house, okay? So I'm acknowledging your feeling and I'm saying it in a tone of acceptance. But then I'm going to move to set a limit on how they're expressing their feeling while staying in my accepting tone. I'm going to say something like, you know, we don't yell at each other in this family, but I get that yelling is what you feel like doing when you feel frustrated like this. So I'm sticking with the emotions here. And then I'm going to move on to 
you know, the next stage, which is to help them to take responsibility for their part in the situation and gently, you know, non-judgmentally how they're projecting their feelings on you. Okay, so you might say something like, you really wish you told me that you needed your jeans for today and you're frustrated with yourself that you forgot. And now you're angry with me because I didn't just have them done for you. Okay, so I'm, you know, I'm doing that whole acknowledging your feeling. I'm doing that in my acceptance tone. And then I'm going to set a limit on how you're expressing yourself because that's not okay. You're not going to yell at me, but I'm sticking with the accepting tone because I understand that you might want to yell. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm saying you can. I'm very much saying we don't yell at each other in this family. And then you're going to help them to take some responsibility for their feelings because you're going to say, look, you really wish that you had asked me and you're frustrated and you're also a bit angry with me that I didn't somehow just know this and have them done. And then repeat your acceptance of how they're feeling. I get it. You know, I really do get it. Um, and then say something like, you know, I think we need to take some short time apart to cool down. Take a step back, you know, from the heat of the situation to ensure that you can stay in your own window of tolerance, you know, where things feel comfortable, not out of control. And then you can help to get them back into theirs by co-regulating them. So you're going to add on, you know, we're going to take some time apart to cool down. And then I'm going to help you find something else you feel comfortable in. Or you know what? You can call your friend and let her know that you can't come over anymore. I'm going to support you in either choice you make. Because now you're moving into a solution-focused thought process while reinforcing that they can make a choice and the outcome is their responsibility because you won't be fixing this for them, okay? Because you're saying, look, take time, we're going to cool down, then I'll help you find something to wear. But you know, if you don't want to do that, you can always call your friend and say you're not going. Whatever you choose, I've got your back, but I am emphasizing that you're going to choose it, um, you know, because often these situations, they escalate because us parents get pulled into the emotional demand of our children who are now setting the temperature of the interaction. You know, that's something that we need to do. We need to go, you know, uh, our own little uh oh feeling. We can say, oh, I feel it getting hot in here. I need to dial this down a couple of degrees or, you know, how am I going to modulate the heat of this discussion? And that starts by staying really anchored and grounded and cool, if you like, within ourselves. Because middle childhood is a stage of development when children are becoming more and more aware of themselves as individuals. And that can be an intensely uncomfortable, overwhelming experience. And part of the increasing awareness is a desire to become more responsible, to take on, you know, to master more tasks for themselves. But at the same time, they're hypercritical of their own performance and fearful of failure, which can then inhibit any action and drive frustration with themselves. So this is really difficult to contain. And it, it tends that emotion tends to spill over and spill out, you know, and as we know, one of the most effective ways to manage difficult, uncontainable emotions is to subject someone else to them you know, to project onto someone else so that they can be a container for my icky, uncomfortable feelings because they're just too difficult for me to hold in. And, you know, ideally, you know, the container, that emotional container that our children choose is solid, grounded, available attachment figure, you know, us, in other words, that we can stay really grounded and rooted and say, okay, I feel you pouring all of that anger and frustration with yourself onto me. And I can then break that down and slowly give it back to you in more manageable bite-sized pieces through that process I've just outlined there. 
And then, you know, even speaking of bite-sized pieces can again bring to mind how you parented your toddler. And you will, as I said, feel echoes of early parenting responses in middle childhood. And that is not to say that you should treat your 8 to 12-year-old as though they were a toddler. You know, obviously middle childhood is marked by significant personality and associated behavioral shifts, you know. And as I mentioned in a previous episode on this, when I was talking about middle childhood specifically in this podcast series, you can go back and find that in the archives. Um, the, the, the brain at this age, you know, eight to 12 years is in a phase of synaptic pruning, you know. Um, it's very much, you know, running along. It's The brain is evolving in a way that's getting rid of those synapses that are no longer pertinent to development to clear space for that surge in brain development that's coming in adolescence. So there's a lot going on neurologically and running alongside this are erratic unpredictable inconsistent mood changes um you know when they swing wildly between showing you you know showing us parents affection and then utter disdain and then moving sharply from feeling independent to feeling invisible and incompetent and so these kind of wild swings that we can see while they're normal and part of the development at this age they can also lead to us parents feeling you know damned if I do and damned if I don't. So this stage of parenting can sometimes leave us languishing on the ropes, you know, feeling like, oh, what can I do here? But really, it's about a call to action to invest in patience and empathy and remain open and available, even, you know, perhaps especially when your child is sending you a message that they don't want you around. Because if you can show them that you can withstand this emotional turmoil that they can't contain and deal with, and you can receive it, make sense of it and give it back to me in a way that allows me to integrate that sense so that I can make meaning of my own behavior, then you're really giving me life skills that will stand to me as I move out of this pre-adolescent stage into full-blown adolescence. And you know, I don't think it's simple, I don't mean to imply it is, but I think having strategies, having key phrases and having a little system in mind of okay, I see what's happening here. I'm going to take an emotional step back and break this down so that I can stay grounded and help you move out of this spiral of what's going on. So look, try it, put it into practice, give yourself a break. If it doesn't work the first time, don't give up, try it again, tweak it and try it again and see how it works. I hope, I hope it brings you some, some joy, some relief and makes things a bit easier. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15-minute parenting.